Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. May I add my welcome to those of Sam and Chris from earlier. If we haven't met before, my name's Natalie and I'm one of the vicars here. And isn't it a delight to wonder about God's Word together? Um, I wonder if you've still got your Bibles open. If you've got them open electronically, can you just skip back one verse? Because I'm going to open us with a prayer, but I'm going to use verse 14 of Psalm 19. So verse 14, Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. It's always good to use scripture for prayer. You know you're not going wrong, don't you? Um, I'm going to play a bit of a game this evening, and I hope you're happy to join in. Um, Let's have the next slide, which is the start of my game. Okay, take a look at these set of shoes. Take a look at these set of shoes. Which pair best describes you? Which pair of shoes best... I can see people giggling already. Somebody covered their mouth because they didn't want to laugh out loud. You're allowed to laugh, don't worry. Um, I'm probably the muddy walking boots um, because I'm always getting myself in trouble. Um, So, but I'm going to ask you to stand and then I'm going to explain the game. Can you stand? Excellent, amazing. So, the game is... Find somebody you don't know, and you're going to go up to them and say, hello, my name's Natalie. The pair of boots that best describes me are the muddy boots, because I'm always putting my foot in it. And then swap over and listen to them. Have you got it? Obviously, you don't say Natalie and muddy boots. You pick your own pair of shoes and use your own name. But I'd like you to find someone who you don't really know terribly well, which means you're going to need to move, because if you stay in the same rows, I know you're cheating. Go. Okay, stick. Hopefully you've both said either side, that's great. Take your seats, grab a seat, sit down. Hooray, well done, grab a seat. Fantastic, so um, hands up for the trainers. How many trainers do we have, blue trainers? 
Uh, who's with me on the muddy boots? Oh, okay, there are a few of us, great. Who is in the smart shoes? Come on. Oh yes, there were a few people in the smart shoes. Who is in the heels? Oh, you ladies, you are amazing. I can't walk in heels that high without breaking my neck. Um, who, oh, Yanni's not here tonight, is she? She's only just got back from Tanzania. I was banking on Yanni being here because she wears her slippers to church every Sunday. She literally arrives in her shoes, takes them off and puts her slippers on. Who, who had slippers? Who had slippers? Oh, I reckon the slippers were the winners. Amazing. Now, what you've just done, this is used as a trust game because you've actually had to share. Oh, yeah, can we leave those off for a minute? Just so I'll come back to those. Um, you've had to share something about yourself with somebody who you barely know. You had to trust that they would shut up enough early enough so you could actually say your bit, but you told them something about yourself and they've trusted you with something about themselves. Now, that's a really simple trust game and it doesn't establish really deep trust. But trust starts when you offer something of yourself to someone and they offer you something back. That's an act of trust. And while a simple game of trust can get us started, trust is a little bit harder than that, isn't it? Which is why I'm going to read these quotes that are going to come up now, if you could put them up. I'm going to read them, so if you're miles away and you can't see them, don't worry. Trust takes many years to build, seconds to break, and a lifetime to repair. Trusting is hard, knowing who to trust is even harder. Trust starts and ends with truth. Now that quote might seem like the simplest one there, but our society has a real struggle with truth, doesn't it? It doesn't quite know sometimes what true actually is. And then this other one, loving someone is giving them the power to break your heart, but trusting them not to do so. I'm sure we all know people who we find it easier to put our trust in their hands. And some people who we find it more tricky to trust. But what our Psalm, Psalm 20 asks of us today is how much do we trust God? How much do you and I trust God? Now, Psalm 20 is described as a royal psalm and it's part of a pair, much like our pairs of shoes. Psalm 20 is a prayer that God will give success to King David. But Psalm 21, the other half of the prayer, is the prayer that gives thanks for how God has answered the prayers in Psalm 20. Now together, in the knowledge of this pairing of prayer and answered prayer, God's people grow, don't they? because we understand that prayers entrusted to God have been answered. And there's another pairing that builds trust within these words of Psalm 20. And that's the pairing of what God gives and how we respond. Now you might have noticed just from this visual image before it moves any further, God gives a lot. There's a lot of colored blocks on God's side and there's not very much on our side. 
It's a bit of an imbalanced pairing. But that's important because God gives so much to us, doesn't he? And I'm going to draw out slowly a number of things that our psalm highlights. But before I do that, a little bit of context for our psalm. This psalm would be sung before the people went to battle. It was a prayer that God would give success on the battlefield. In this case, the you or the your of our psalm is directed towards King David, a Davidic king. And it's worth recognizing that this is not some weird land grab that King David would have success and would dominate the nations. Because the word in verse five, sometimes that word victory is replaced in other translations with salvation, with the word saves. It's not a victory of a battlefield victory, but it's a victory of hearts and salvation won. God is giving. There's no blank checkbook to ask for anything. Salvation is always something that's given. That's why this symbol of a gift is on our slide. Salvation, victory, is gifted by God. The language of our psalm emphasizes it's all given as gift on the part of God because of the use of the word may. And a pause for a minute. Let's have another game. How many times can you see the word may in this psalm? How many times can you see the word may used in our psalm? Any guesses? Six. Keep going. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, I thought I made it eight. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, maybe I was wrong. Maybe I was wrong. Ha, <laughs> did you see what I did there? No, okay, that's fine. It, but it's the language of may. You know, we ask God, may you do something? And God determines how he replies. God's people ask and they seek God. They want to know him better. May the Lord, may we, may the name of the Lord. You get the idea. This is a prayer song that the psalmist acknowledges what God will give, what God will gift, and that is salvation. But let's see what else God gives on his, with his open hands. In verse 1, he gives protection. In this day of troubling battle, there is confidence to know that God will protect his people. In verse 2, we hear that God gives help and support. The help and support that God gives comes from the sanctuary, from Zion, the place where this community went because they knew God would make himself present to his people. So they expect that to be the place that God's help and support flows from. In verse 3, God remembers. They ask that God would remember them. 
through the ways that God has given and gifted to his people, the means by which they could receive God's love and devote themselves to him was through sacrifices and offerings in the Old Testament. But God sees those sacrifices and those offerings and he remembers. And in verse four, he provides. They had the confidence that God would grant or provide that he would show up and give the right way forward. And then we come back again to answered prayer in verse five. They knew that God could and would fulfill their petitions. Their petitions, it's another word for intercessions or prayers. Ultimately, in the face of battle, the battles that they faced, or in the face of the battles that we face today, God did for them and can for us give and gift his salvation. In verse 5, in this translation, it says, we shout for joy over your victory. In some other translations of the Bible, it says, we shout for joy over your salvation. There is something beautiful that God gives as a gift to us. And in this most unbalanced of Psalms, there's one thing that God asks of us, and we'll come on to it in a minute. How do you think the people who were on the battlefield on behalf of the king might have gained their confidence in God? Because in verse six, we read that they are assured, even confident that God will show up. They say, the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven and with the saving might of his right hand. The Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him. So the anointed person in this case, the him, is the earthly king of their day. And from his holy heaven, with saving might of his right hand, this second his is God, the one who with might saves and that might is mixed with loving compassion for his people the people of this psalm and we today can trust in verse 7 we read this some trust in chariots and some in horses but we trust in the name of our God this psalm not only shows us that we can trust but he shows us how to trust. It's the ability to trust correctly. We're not invited to trust in earthly kings or leaders, although we are reminded to pray for them, don't get me wrong. But we're not invited to trust in chariots. So what's a chariot for us today? What's your chariot? What's your safety net? What's your comfort blanket? Because in the day of battles, the number of chariots were probably a rough guide to who would win the battle. If this, this battle side team had lots of chariots, they were slightly more likely to win than this team who had less. So that's why this verse is talking about chariots. It's saying we have confidence in the number of chariots. But what they're saying is don't trust in chariots. Trust in God. So what's an example of a chariot for you? 
What do you go to and trust in before you think of trusting in God? Because sometimes you might be a bit like me and sometimes go to your comfort blanket rather than asking God for something that you need first. Because in verse 8, we read that the chariots sometimes collapse and fall. Like the psalmists from thousands of years ago, we're invited not to trust in our comfort blankets, whatever that might be, but to be confident that we can trust in God. Trust in the name of the Lord. Be confident that he will answer us when we call. Yet even that, even in this verse, that tricky word may reappears. It reminds us to keep ourselves humble and trust in God for the things that align with his saving, his salvation, and his victory plan. In 1 Timothy 1, verses 12 to 17, we see an example in the New Testament from Paul's life. Now, Paul recounts how he's learned to trust God. Paul had been one of the chief persecutors of the folios of Jesus. He describes himself in these verses as the worst of all sinners. And in verse 14, Paul says this, here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Now, you might not have persecuted any Christians in the last few days or weeks, but we each have those things that get in the way of us going to God for his forgiveness, trusting that we're able to ask him for things. Because sometimes we feel like, maybe I've done something too bad, or God couldn't possibly love me, I'm not good enough. But we can trust in God for his gift of saving grace. And we can trust that God wants that saving grace to be apparent and accepted by all. So how do we apply this lesson in trust from the psalm today? Can we remind ourselves through rereading it, maybe during this week, that in times of trouble, God will protect, God will help, God remembers, God provides, God saves. And then when we pray for any of our struggles, we're invited into this marvelously imbalanced equation where God gives and we trust. God gives salvation, protection, help, support. He remembers us. He provides for us. He answers our prayer. So I'm going to invite you during this week, when you next pray, to do something a little bit odd, to remind yourself of this marvelously imbalanced psalm. I invite you to kick a shoe off when you pray. Literally, I mean, my feet don't smell too much. Um, when you pray, if you're at work, just kick a shoe off under the desk. Just pray for something. Remember this set of gloriously imbalanced equations in God's world. He gifts you so much. And then use these two verses of our psalm from today to read together as a pair at the start of your prayers.
Start with verse 3. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. In that time, say sorry, let go, put anything down that's bothering you. May he remember all your sacrifices and accept your burnt offerings. Then, having put yourself right before God, having adjusted your expectations to pray for the things that are in God's heart, not just the desires, the wants of yours, may he give you the desire to desire the things that God wants. That's when you say this verse. May he give you the desires of your heart and make all your plans succeed. Because in coming before God with one shoe on and one shoe off, you're recognizing that he is the God who gifts something to you. He gifts you the ability to absorb his desires and his heart and his way to pray. And that's when you set your mind straight before God. You'll be in a better place to trust that God and his kingdom will come and that his will will be done today as it is in heaven rather than rely on your own strength or your own wants or your own desires. Trust that God can give you your daily bread. And when we get our desires and our prayers in line with God's desires and his hopes, he comes to answer and to save. Now, the way he saves and answers us is in the person of Jesus so it seems like a natural turn for us now to take communion, but I'm going to pray before we turn to communion. Lord Jesus, may this beautiful psalm help us to trust in the saving grace that you won on the cross. May we know and see your protection, your help, your provision. Keep us humble as we pray. Keep us in line with your will as we bring before you the prayers and petitions that you put on our hearts. Help us to see the ways you are making us more like Jesus in character and in action. Keep us open to your will and your ways. Help us to see where your mighty hand is working in our own lives and in the world. Amen. Now I'm going to take a minute to take my other shoe off so I don't feel completely imbalanced as I um, pray our communion prayer together with you. Um, so I'm going to invite you just to make yourselves comfortable. Take a minute's silence just to sit before God as we ready ourselves to receive from him at his table.